I'm Jody Klugman Rab, a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. I took a DNA test for fun that led to the shocking discovery that the man who raised me was not my biological father, that I am an NPE or a non-paternal event. And I'm Christina Bryan Fitzgibbons. I've been a genetic and family investigator in Northern California since 2015. Most of my work focuses on interpreting DNA results and locating biological family. And that's how I met Jody. This is Sex, Lies, and the Truth, a collection of stories devoted to unexpected DNA discoveries, like donor conceptions, adoptions, or falsified and misled parentage discovered from at-home DNA tests, like non-paternal events. These are real people talking candidly about the rejection, shock, vulnerability, or fears that shape their stories. Some will make you laugh, cry, and cringe. You know, just like your family, only with a shrink and genealogist on call. Today, we're talking with Eve Sturgis, a licensed marriage and family therapist and an NPE. That's right, folks. She is just like me. There are two of us out there. Even more interesting is that she grew up about 30 minutes away from my hometown and also has a podcast on NPE. That's about where the similarities stop, but I felt I could talk with Eve all day, and that's the sign of a good therapist. Eve now resides in Los Angeles, where she combines a love of writing into her depth-oriented therapy practice. That means a Jungian approach to therapy. It's an orientation I find perfectly suited to the NPE experience. In fact, there are an increasing number of therapists who are also NPEs, so we began with my question if she's noticed that. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Eve. No, but that's really exciting that you're seeing that. (laughs) I really like that you're finding that out. I wonder what the connection is about being in a helping profession. I can make assumptions about the correlation, but of course there's no way to know. But um, there is a group within one of the, the, the support groups that we are in has a subgroup of, of people that are therapists and social workers. It doesn't interact very much, so, so I, but I suppose that group has, a, has quite a number. I, I grew up in Northern California in the Bay Area, and um, my parents were and are very married, and I have siblings, and we were pretty, I, I don't, I, sometimes I say this and people like throws them off. If they say we're, we're religious, we were very Christian, sort of evangelical, a little bit evangelical, or I sometimes say fundamentalist. And then people say, like, my parents really don't like it when I say that. And, th- but then I had someone say like, oh, well, they weren't like talking, speaking in tongues, were they? And I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. We were totally speaking. <laughs> like, we, that was definitely a part of our life. So whatever the point that, and that, that is important later. I mean, there's so many adventures that I had uh, in my life, but was in a really good place as of two years ago. And I got married and um, I uh, have a two-year-old, had a two, he's four now, but so he was two, two years old with my husband. And then I, um, we were raising my, uh, my other daughter together and um, I was settling in, in my therapy practice. And then my husband got a message on Facebook. I summarize it often. I just say that we got a phone call, but the truth of the matter is my husband got a message on Facebook that said, Hey dude, um, I really need to talk to you about your wife. And it sounds so weird. And then here's some details about her, her childhood. 
And like he listed details that were just like uncannily accurate. I don't think he wasn't trying to be scary. I think he was he was just saying like I this is the time in, in her life that I need to talk about. And he mentioned things that like nobody would know. And that made me think that he really knew what he was talking about. Um, and so I, I said, well, I guess you better call him. So my husband called him and he said, uh, thanks for calling. I'm, I'm calling because I had an affair with your, with Eve's mother in the seventies. And I think I'm her real father. This is definitely a first for our podcast and for Jody. I've heard several different scenarios when it comes to how a paternity issue is disclosed. It's not as common to see it play out from this direction. Usually, it's the NPE themselves who's perusing Facebook or other social media platforms to learn more about their parents or possible siblings. My my dad, the man who raised me, who I call my dad, he's a big like ancestry heritage guy. So he had done Ancestry.com. And was always encouraging us to do it. And it was all, like, it all would have fallen apart at some point. Just because mine didn't happen through a mail-in DNA kit um, doesn't mean it wasn't, like, about to happen. I wasn't very interested. I was like, that's not, it just seems seems kind of boring to me. I guess the thing to do before freaking out is to do a DNA test. So I did a DNA test with that man, a paternity test. And we found a company that uh, they they find the lab for you and they mail you all the stuff. So you take a package to the lab with a, that they've set up an appointment for. You get your, uh, I got my cheeks swabbed really aggressively and then they mail it to the, the, the testing company. And then they sent me a letter later that said, yeah, this guy is 99.99999% um, your father. We asked Eve what was going through her mind when a stranger contacted her, through her husband, no less and revealed a possible hitch with her paternity. Something of this nature would certainly seem like a hoax and understandably easy to dismiss. I, th- I think I thought all the things one thinks. and But for me, it, I don't know how to explain this very, very articulately. It was so out there. It was so bananas. It was so left field. It was so like, come up with whatever like idiom you want. Uh, that I thought it must be true. When he, when he called, I didn't, it didn't occur to me that he was a scam artist or he was calling to mess with me or, um, I just thought, okay, like that. And, and now we can say like, oh, that must be your intuition knowing you've always felt different. Like, but at the time I just thought, oh my gosh. And then I also thought, is that why my parents were so conservative? Is this some kind of projection formation happening? And then I thought, well, that makes me really angry. <laughs> and, you know, and the story kind of only gets weirder from there. Uh, when he actually connected with my husband, he also said, uh, oh, I'm so glad you I'm so glad you called. I wasn't sure you were going to uh, reach out. You know, that Facebook message was kind of a shot in the dark. I just want to say before we get into it, we have been watching your career for years. We're so thrilled to see where you're going and how your career is growing. We think you've been an amazing husband to Eve. <laughs> We're so glad she found you. You've been an amazing stepdad. Seriously, this would have me running straight for the hills or local law enforcement. Eve's intuition was telling her to believe him. 
Her writing was widely accessible on the internet and could also be found in various women's magazines. So it, it wasn't hard to fathom the real possibility he could have been watching her and her family for years. And I knew that strangers were reading it, but it never occurred to me that anybody would be invested as a stranger, of course, like as a stranger as my dad. <laughs> like, like I, it just was like a totally new perspective on the idea of having a public life, any kind of element of my life being public. Um, and the we that he was referring to was uh, him and his seven other children. So I have seven siblings. Not all of us are obvious. <laughs> Obviously, not all of us are with the same woman, but there's more than two women, I guess. He he had a lot of children with a lot of women, but they all knew about me. The main five of them grew up together as as close siblings, and they all knew about. I was a part of the narrative. Was like, uh, Dad has this other daughter. We have a sister. This is her name. Let's look at her Instagram and read her articles. And um, one of them actually reached out to me years ago, and I. His message was very cryptic, and I'm not somebody who communicates with strangers ever on the internet and definitely not through social media. So when the stranger contacted me and said, I really need to talk to you, I have something to say that's really, you know, that's really going to surprise you, I was like, delete. <laughs> so he recently showed me that message, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I have no memory of that, but I'm sure I deleted it immediately. Now it was Eve's turn to troll the internet for information. She found quite a lot of information on the new bio dad right away. He comes up um, quickly and uh, there's a lot of information about him out there. Um, and he is kind of a prominent figure in the, uh, in the Christian community, in the sort of Christian community that we came from, that might, we're no longer, but like this, this, what I would say is very Christian and um, evangelical and, and so that was another thing just on the first day when I was reading this message, hearing from my husband and then looking at this Google stuff, it tracked, it made sense that if he was from the same community as my parents and they lived, it, it was kind of like, okay, it's, this isn't so wild. At this point, the story comes to a grinding and unfortunate halt. Eve's biological father suddenly died just six weeks after his initial contact. They would never meet. Eve discusses how she dealt with this while going about her normal daily routine. And I think other NPEs talk about this, but um, like my life was still happening. I didn't have like all day to focus on this and figure it out and make phone calls and track stuff down or, you know, or even think about it. Um, we have little kids and, and a career and husband. And, but it was in those first months that I that I did connect with like the MPE community and started to really dig in about with other people about how uh, amazing it is, how many of us there are. And regardless of how we found out, there is just a whole lot of um, this going on. And um, I pretty quickly felt like the way to, the way for me to process it was to just talk about it with other people. Eve naturally drifted toward a very dear friend who had known her a long time, telling her everything. This friend would turn out to be the only person who perceived the bio dads reaching out to be falsely motivated. So she expanded the disclosure to online NPE support groups, where she began to find understanding and answers. And that's how I first came to know Eve. And I knew that I didn't want to think too deeply about it or make too big of a deal about it or, or contact my parents until I knew what the truth of the matter was. Cause I knew no matter what, this was going to be really upsetting to them. So there was no, no need to upset them if it wasn't true. 
than then it was. You know, one of the things that helped, that like helped, it sort of inspired me to make the podcast and, and to keep, to try and stay so active within the NPE community was it would come out in funny places like a restaurant. Like I would tell the waiter, like, (laughs) and like, I wouldn't, they wouldn't say like, what can I get you this evening? And I would say like, you're never going to believe what happened to me. It'd be chit-chatting and it would kind of come up in conversation in different ways. I promise it was not um, as wildly awkward as it sounds, but every time I did, the person I was telling the story to would say, oh my gosh, that happened to fill in the blank. And it, it was like, oh, that happened to me. That happened to this, that happened to this other guy over here. That happened to our other bartender. It got the feeling that every person that had the same story all thought they were alone. So I started to think like, what if we all didn't feel like we were alone? What if, and what if all of our mothers who were keeping these secrets knew that they were not alone? Feeling alone in this discovery is almost a rite of passage, as is the change in family dynamics after the discovery. Eve goes on to talk about the changes in her relationship with her parents. So it's been really hard. I would say it's like a, it's a work process and we're still, we're still navigating it. It's, it's really hard for them to get out of their own trauma around the story. So so that's hard for me. We have trouble connecting on, we, we've sort of agreed, we've agreed that we're really at an impasse about, <laughs> about our positions and perspectives on the situation, but they also are really wonderful grandparents. And I have, I have had another baby since then. So there's now three kids and they're really amazing grandparents and very incredibly supportive parents all around. Like, and I've had so many projects and so many ideas in my life that they think are not good ideas <laughs> or for whatever reason. And they have supported hundred percent of them. Eve says her parents wished the discovery hadn't happened. It was an unwanted change in their lives. So I asked Eve if she wished it hadn't happened. That's a good question. Um, and people have asked me that before. And I, I always kind of feel blank about, maybe it's ambivalence because it did happen. So I'm not sure, maybe wishing sits in the same place in my mind as, as regret. Um, like wishing it didn't happen means that I regret that it did happen or, or, or the, or the way, other way around. Because part of my story is that it was definitely going to come out. Even if it hadn't happened when it did, it was going to come out. So it feels like it was really just an inevitability that I, I have really a lot, a lot of empathy for the stress that my parents were under um, as far as almost every layer of this story. But <laughs> there's never really a good time to bring this up. My life has had, had a few um, adversities or, or challenges and I can just see that there are times in my life where it, if it had been brought up, I would definitely not have accepted it as maybe gracefully as I did now. I remember even, even my husband said, oh my gosh, like it's so amazing that this is happening now when you're in the best place in your life. I've lived in LA for, for a long time, but it's like I'd had 10 years of really working on having a really tight support network. And so I have my really close friends. I have my therapist. I have a group. I have, you know, I have my exercise. Since mom was living with this story while her husband was actively pursuing the family tree and ancestral genealogy, I wondered if mom ever thought it would come out or that she could get ahead of it in any way. This whole experience has opened my eyes to how deep denial can cut. I just had no, I thought I understood denial. And then I've been going through this thing and just like, 
I just don't know what they knew and didn't know or thought about or didn't think about. We're still in this process. Like it's, it's an uncomfortable process and I'm working on it myself. I'm working on how to, how to talk with them about it. So we have talked about it, but it's not something that we've talked at length about or in depth very much. And I, um, I'm, I'm gearing up to, to sort of embark on that again. Eve had had only six weeks of communication with her biological father before he passed away. It was just enough to feel intense confusion around an extremely complex situation. This is even apparent to us when she explains meeting a new sibling. I felt all, um, I felt a lot of things at the same time, including relief that I didn't have to make the decision about whether to go meet him or not, but also sadness that that choice was taken away from me. And with that sadness, anger and resentment and confusion and wondering about synchronicity. I'm, um, I'm very curious in my life in general about the way the universe works and what challenges were being presented or saved from. So I just met a sister for the very first time like 10 days ago. So I've been slowly connecting with all the siblings. And I, I think... Like a lot of us, I have moments where I feel ready and I contact them. And then this, this situation is so big that I don't know what to say. And I think they don't know what to say. I mean, they, they all have to talk for themselves, but we've like, some of us will, I'll exchange an email with a brother, an email or two, and then it just stops. Cause it's like, where do we even begin if we're, if we're not going to just do our whole autobiographies? Um, when really the questions are to us, I think for all of us are much bigger than, like, what's your favorite food? So how do we begin? Um, what do we have in common? Like, <laughs> except for this one thing. So a sister, I had just connected with her. And then she said, going to be driving through LA. And so I said, well, I live in LA. <laughs> um, so we did this sort of funny dance around it, around it for like a long time in this conversation. And then she finally said, do you want to meet up for coffee or something? And I was like, I was so relieved that she finally said it. I was like, oh, I've been wondering if you wanted me to say that or who. Yeah, like, let's do that. I left feeling excited. I'll be honest. I felt excited about meeting the rest of them. It felt like the beginning of some kind of adventure. Uh, and and I still feel the same way I, I described before. Like, I still feel curious and confused about all these, all the variables that are unknown. And And it also really opened my eyes, speaking with her, to what, her experience has been through this process and then what it may be like for the other siblings, although I don't know, but just about her own confusion about what family means and who her dad was. And they're all also mourning his unexpected death, which I don't feel it like they feel it. Of course, everything about the visit was good. And I, you know, of course I was left with like 10,000 more questions, but, (laughs) um, Eve described the dynamic is still unfolding with her parents as they try to understand each other's position. So we took a deeper dive into how things have changed with her dad, the one who raised her and the one she feels comfortable calling dad. Again, denial is pretty powerful. You know, and I actually was just talking with someone about understanding if if denial is a choice or not for some people and and depending on the, the what your mind is, is trying to protect you from. So it's my understanding that I, there was a possibility that I was not his biological daughter, but upon birth, he decided, no way is this 
is this baby not mine? I mean, he's, but he's a wonderful dad. He loved me with everything in him and just didn't, um, didn't fathom or wouldn't allow himself to fathom any other connection. One thing that's been interesting as a therapist is that this whole, the the whole, like, let's say traumatizing event or like identifying event, um, not me finding out, um, about my biological father, but about like my conception. So it's like this affair and this problem in this marriage and this guy and everybody has their own version of events. So they were like 25 when that happened, right? Like really young. And as far as I can tell, the decisions they made, they almost, I believe, never spoke about it again. Like they just packed this up and moved across the country and literally, and <laughs> they thought, no problem, new town, new life. So me, me sort of showing up with all this information, or you could say the bio, my bio father showing up with all this information, it's kind of thrust them back into that place. It was, I mean, some of the behavior was frustrating, but it also was just kind of interesting to watch them navigate it. So kind of immaturely, (laughs) just the way they were acting. Like I just kept going to my husband, like, what is going on? Like, who are these, these two people are saying and doing things that I have never experienced before. This is what's happening. Like they're handling it like 20 year olds in the seventies. So, but I also, I also want to say, because I, I think this is important that especially considering how many people our NPEs and how often this is, this is the kind of story. It's really thrust me into thinking a lot about marriage and what marriage is really versus what we pretend that it is in society or what we like to believe that it is and that there's expectations and it's all controlled by a society, which was shaped by Puritan religion, which was which is patriarchal. Like I have so much to think about with relationships. And I really think it's been so hard on their marriage, this thing coming up again, but also it's such a testament to, to two people getting through something. And they've been married 45 years. And there's something to be said about facing really hard things and making decisions about whether you're going to do them together or not. Also as a therapist, when I have people come in either couples come in or individuals come in who are in relationships and they, they run into their first or second or third, like they tend to be younger, um, sort of like challenge as a relationship. It's really interesting to look at them and, and kind of have to be the bearer of bad news. That's like, it, there's going to be harder things. I'm even having an awakening to that. I mean, as part of my process to understand marriage um, through this lens and what commitment means and what fidelity means and trying to parse out what I believe versus do I believe it because I believe it in my heart or do I believe it because society taught me to believe it or where, where's the disconnect happening? Because there, there are so many NPEs and so many of them come from various versions of infidelity. I understand that multiple NPEs exist in family systems. So we explore the possibility that Eve's siblings are also NPEs. Oh my gosh, I hadn't even thought about it. Of the five, I'll call them the core siblings, two of them are adopted. And uh, they are, the age spread between them all um, is very big. The oldest is, uh, the oldest is my age. So, (laughs) so uh, our, our dad was working, moving fast. So I have a a brother that's my age. And then the youngest, who is that sister who I just met, she's just, she just turned 23. Yeah. So there's this like 20 year age spread over eight of us. 
So that's, that's what I know so, so far. And I know that the older ones had a different experience with him than the younger ones because, uh, you know, like they were out of, out of the house by the time the younger ones were old enough to have like, memories. And um, the other thing about um, our biological father is that he traveled and worked a lot in Africa, missionary work, um, of course. Uh, so I have a suspicion that maybe we've got more siblings than we have discovered so far. And I even said, I said something at this um, lunch with my sister, I, or, you know, it's like all the details don't really matter, but her husband was there and he, he was asking a question to clarify who was who. And she said, no, this is my sister. Yeah. From my dad that we know of, or like he said, he said like, oh my gosh, another sibling. And she said that we know of. And so they're not, they're not like naive to a lot of these concepts, but it's hard to not know people and not know what their comfort level is with, with talking about somebody that, that they loved. Uh, so there were four of us growing up. Um, my oldest, the oldest, older sister. Um, so it gets, gets complicated again. And it's all part of being from that same Christian community. They adopted my oldest, my older sister. And it's kind of complicated about, about that. But then they had me, then they had, um, my uh, younger sister and my brother. And then my older sister, she, um, she was very ill. She was born, um, sick and had down syndrome and had a lot of like, um, sort of complications that came with that. So she, she passed away when we were in adolescence. So, so there were, so that's what I say. There were four of us growing up. There are three of us now. To wrap up, we asked Eve what message she'd like to convey to other NPEs through her podcast and therapy work. I just wish that everybody, everybody involved in the NPE equation understood that there's nothing to be ashamed of and that we have to talk about this. And the only way for this culture of secrecy to disappear is for us to talk about it and to, 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 um, to say to others, me too. We'd like to thank Eve Sturges for coming on the podcast and sharing her story. If you'd like to know more about Eve or just follow her, maybe the way her dad followed her, you can find her website at evesturges.la or her podcast, Everything is Relative with Eve Sturgis on anywhere you listen to podcasts. In the meantime, come back and listen to our stories and we'll catch you next time. Sex, Lies, and the Truth is written and produced by Christina Fitzgibbons and Jody Klugman-Rab, two moms and professional women living the dream. We crack each other up We can sniff out the truth and we help people tell their stories. If you or someone you know would like to tell their story, you can reach us at sexliesinthetruth.com. If you are a fan of Sex, Lies, and the Truth and want to support us, you can do that through Patreon. Patreon is a really cool platform where fans of shows like ours can pledge a small amount each month, even just a few dollars, to support the show. You can find us there at www.patreon.com forward slash sex lies and the truth.